The Lifestylist, episode 93, featuring Desiree Pace. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. Today's episode is brought to you by my friends over at earthrunners.com. If you follow me on social media, if you know me, you know that 95% of the time I'm not wearing traditional shoes because they suck and they're really bad for your body and for your feet. So I'm always wearing my earthrunners, whether I'm trail running, hiking, going to the beach, flying on an airplane, or even going to a party in Hollywood. Because unlike most minimal footwear, Earthrunners actually look really dope. They have a great design. So they improve your biomechanics, the way that you walk, because essentially you're born to walk barefoot. And Earthrunners give you that ability without getting your feet dirty and gross and getting kicked out of restaurants. But what's even cooler about Earthrunners is that they're grounded. They have conductive thread in the straps and a copper plug on the bottom that keeps you electronically grounded to Mother Earth. It's it's fantastic. So good for you on so many levels. So if you want to check out Earthrunners, go to earthrunners.com and enter the code LUKE10 to save 10% off your order. So go to earthrunners.com, enter the code LUKE10, and your life will be forever changed for the better. This episode is brought to you by my friends over at Organifi. I discovered this product a few months ago, and it has changed the game for me. Everybody knows that green juice is good for you, right? Here's the deal, though. couple disadvantages to your average cold-pressed green juice. A, a lot of times it comes in plastic, not good. B, it's usually loaded with sugar up to 25 grams, which is basically like drinking a green Coca-Cola. Not happening. Next is they go bad. You can't leave it sitting out, and they're really bad for travel. So I love my green juice. That's cool. Cold-pressed. I get the sugar-free ones. I'm into it. But Organifi makes a green powdered superfood that comes in these little packets that are portable and you can take with you. So I keep them in my car and in my bag and on demand anytime I have a bottle of water, I can pour one of these in there and have an instant green juice. Alkalizing, energizing, gives you mental clarity. It's fantastic. It's loaded with 11 superfoods. A lot of the green powders not only taste gross and are overpriced, but they'll have like 200 ingredients. And I'm always thinking, how much of each ingredient is actually in there, okay? These 11 superfoods are the important ones that you need, like turmeric, chlorella, wheatgrass, spirulina, mint, moringa, ashwagandha, lemon, beets, matcha green tea, and coconut water. And it's sweetened with monk fruit, so it's got a zero glycemic index. It's fantastic stuff. So if you want to check this drink out, work on your health in a way that actually tastes good and is super convenient, here's what you do. Go to Organifi.com, that's with an I, Organifi, Enter the code LIFESTYLIST and save 20% off your order. You guys know I always give you a hookup if I'm going to tell you about something cool that I discovered. So again, go to Organifi.com, enter the code LIFESTYLIST at checkout and save 20%. It's really good stuff. I am he as you are he as you are me and we are all together for another episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. I am not the Eggman. I am not the Walrus. I am in fact... Luke's story. And I'm so excited to be here with today's guest, Desiree Pace. 
This girl is hella cool. We sat down for about an hour and a half at my hotel room in New York City and talked all things kundalini yoga, new ageness, and just got goofy with it. And it was really, really fun. She's a great girl. I actually tried to take her class and I it didn't work out. So I, she owes me a class or I owe myself her class because I could actually show up once I sign up for that shit. But we had a really great time talking about what it's like to be a spiritual seeker and a yogi in New York City. And I love her approach to all of this stuff because she takes everything with a grain of salt, much like your host, Luke, here. You know, I love spirituality. I love the new age, but I also like to keep it real. I'm I'm not living in a cloud or living in a fantasy. I'm very much in the real world, and I appreciate people that are deeply spiritual and meditative and into yoga and all of that. But I like it when it comes with, you know what I'm saying, like a little edge. And uh, Desiree definitely has that. So we had a great time sitting down and talking. So here's what we talked about in this episode. How she cured herself of cystic acne, depression, eating disorders, and even low self-esteem using Chinese medicine, yoga, and mind control. How she uses kundalini yoga, kriyas, sexual energy, and rap music to build her own self-confidence. Then we talk about the dangers of self-obsession, overcoming your own ego and self-consciousness by doing embarrassing shit. Doing embarrassing shit, it turns out, is actually a spiritual practice, and she's going to tell you how. How to be a yogi, but not lose your edge. You know, how to, how to not be too corny and soft, how to avoid spiritual bypass, how to like walk through the storm and keep it real, how to be an R-rated yogi, <laughs> how meditation, in fact, feeds creativity. The hidden inspiration behind high fashion. So me myself have a background in fashion is and so does Desiree. And you know, she's a pretty cool chick. You know, if you check out her Instagram, like it's definitely stylized. She's got her little thing going on there. And she's definitely into fashion. But there is an art to it. And we have a very interesting uh, piece in the podcast about that. At least I thought it was interesting. I, I have a feeling you will too. How becoming a raw vegan destroyed her health and how hard it is for some people to digest raw food. And that's why, well, one of the many reasons that that might not be the answer uh, for a long-term health strategy for many people and definitely was not for her. Why cockroaches are considered a superfood to some Taoist masters. How what you wear affects your mood and energy and the high value of high fashion as art. So how to wear art. So again, that fashion piece, you know, where's the fine line between being an egomaniac and being materialistic and actually just expressing yourself and using your body as a, you know, a human hanger to display art. Interesting concepts we covered indeed. The theory behind the chakra system and how the first three relate to and control your primary instincts. The power of singing mantras and how rough it is when the mantras are sung in English. See, that's what I'm saying. That's what I love about Desiree. We were like poking fun at our own lifestyles, which is always great. And then how to overcome the awkwardness of dancing as it sometimes takes place in yoga classes. The way I overcome it is I just run out in the hall and read books until that shit's over. But she has a different strategy that she enlightens us with. So this is a really fun episode. I'm, I'm glad that I got to catch up with her while I was in the city. I look forward to having her back at some point and definitely taking her class because she's definitely got um, an energy to her that I think is very cool. And uh, I love meeting people that are 
on the path that um, you know are younger too and just doing things in a different way it's cool like I interviewed Abby Galvin a couple episodes and you know she's in her 60s and has been doing this a long long time and Desiree's newer but also has a really interesting expression of this lifestyle which I really enjoyed getting to know myself and also sharing with you so thank you once again for joining me I look forward to bringing you another episode next week I'll be in your eardrums then folks tune in Listen up, I'm going to do you a massive favor. I'm going to warn you that you do not want to miss next week's two-part episode with my meditation teacher and personal mentor, Mr. Jeff Kober. He's been meditating for, God, I don't know, forever. He teaches Vedic meditation. He's also an actor. You may know his work from shows like Shameless, The Walking Dead, Sons of Anarchy, and a number of other big hits. So this episode is all about the creative process and how it relates to spirituality. And I want to tell you what, this might just be, I mean, in my opinion, at least as the host, my best episode ever. Dare I say, I know I've had some good ones, but listen, Jeff Kober brings the damn heat. We sat down in my living room for like, I don't know, two and a half hours. This shit was bananas. We went deep into the rabbit hole of all things spiritual in what I think was a very practical and approachable way. So don't miss next week's two-parter with Jeff Kober. To make it easy on yourself, just subscribe to the show, click that little button, and you will never miss an episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. Thank you. Desiree Pace has been teaching yoga throughout New York City for the past seven years. In 2010, she completed her first training with Yoga to the People, followed by an advanced certification deeply rooted in the Hatha Yoga and Tibetan Buddhist lineages. As she became more and more fascinated with the mind-body connection, she decided to pursue a master's degree in Chinese medicine at Pacific College of Oriental Medicine after meeting Taoist Grandmaster Sung Baek, with whom she briefly studied. After five years of teaching vinyasa yoga throughout New York, she felt something was missing from her classes and her own personal practice, which led her to begin studying kundalini yoga and meditation. In 2016, she completed her third yoga teacher training, Level 1 Kundalini Yoga and Meditation with Hari Jiwan, Tej, Guru Jagat, and Guru Joss in Los Angeles. She currently teaches kundalini yoga and meditation classes and workshops around New York City where she aims to make these ancient practices available to anyone who is interested in using this profound practice to create the life they want to experience. So here we are with Desiree Pace. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Unfortunately, I missed your class the other morning because it was at like 8 in the morning and I was very ambitious, signed up, paid 22 bucks, <laughs> and then the next morning was like, oh, hell no. I got to be at School of Style at 10, and so I didn't make it. Uh, I like to get to know guests like that. Like I did a show the other day, that was yesterday, with um, a woman named Abby Galvin over oh, at... She's um, amazing. Yeah, she does Katona yoga she's over at the amazing. studio. And I took her class one day, <laughs> then the day I recorded with her, I took another instructor's class, got done with the class and then recorded with her. So I was just like, eh. it was very, it was an interesting way to start an episode. So <laughs> I didn't do that today. Actually, you're my third recording today. Wow. So I'm do you like... Li you like Abby's class? Oh, yeah. Amazing. It's Katona like a, it's like a workshop each class. It's Yeah, it's incredible. And she was, um, I don't know if yours will air before her, so listeners, that one may or may not be out by now, but I just knew when I took her class that I needed to get inside her head. Like, she has something going on. She's She's tapped in. So, it's yeah, amazing. we went about like an hour and 15 minutes or so and just into her whole history and the whole trip with Katona Yoga and how it's like, 
Hindu Hatha yoga combined with Chinese Taoism and just fucking wild, super trippy stuff. Yeah, it was cool. I've taken both her classes and Naveen's classes. Oh, cool. It's really hard for me though because I'm 50% deaf. Really? Yeah. So when I go to their classes, I can't focus on the postures or what I'm doing because I want to hear everything they're saying. So I just like stop and turn around and just look and read their lips and try to get everything. Interesting. So it's Are like you, it's either one or the other. I do you have hearing loss in both ears or just In one? both. Really? Because I have 40% loss in one ear. What happened though? I don't know, playing in rock and roll bands, probably. <laughs> just being retarded. I remember when I first started playing in bands, my parents were like, you need to wear earplugs. You're going to hurt your ears. And I was like, I'm not going to be a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> you know? it's Invincible like, until you're not. Yeah, and then all of a sudden I was like, huh, when people talk on this side, I can't <laughs> hear them anymore. What happened with your hearing? I got all my dad's good genes. Oh, so just born like that? Yeah, he's 50% deaf too. My aunt is, like everybody. Really? Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. How interesting. So you've yeah. had to kind of adapt, huh? Yeah. I'm pretty used. To, I mean, it's been my whole life. I wear right. hearing aid. That's why this one's broke oh, okay. up. I just want to make sure that I can like hear everything. Okay, good. He's actually hilarious, though. because He's kind of like Instagram famous, my dad. Really? Kind of, a little bit. Like when, when, when my dad Instagram? comes, like when my dad comes to town. No, no, no he doesn't have Instagram. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. When he comes and I do all my videos of him, people freak out. because Or I, he used to do, he doesn't do it as much anymore, but he would do... Um, when he started getting into texting me a couple of years ago, yeah. instead of calling, he would do the voice automated text messaging. But between the Russian accent and the fact that he makes up half of his own words because he's 50% deaf, I would get like the craziest shit ever and people would just die for it. Like I would post the text message that, that he said. The first one that I got, which was so ridiculous, this is so bad. <laughs> I was like, Dad, we need to get this under control. He's like, wow, I love sexting with you. This is the best thing ever. <laughs> That's great. I was like, oh, my God, you That's have hilarious. to read this. And another time he had a birthday party. There was a party that we were they were supposed to go to. And he was trying to tell everybody, he meant to say party tomorrow at our house. And he ended up saying party at Tamara's house, who's our neighbor and one of their very good friends. So everybody showed up at Tamara's house. Holy shit. Instead of at their house. You can't write that. That's amazing. No, it was amazing. Wow, that's funny. All right, I'm going to have to watch for that on your Instagram. You have a, a great Instagram, by the way. Those Thank of you that you. Um, are listening to this, um, you can find that, of course, in the show notes. We'll have that for you. But yeah, your Instagram is very cool. I think that's one of the things that attracted me to you and your work and wanting to get to know you. I was like, oh, you have a very cool aesthetic. Something I was talking to Ellie from Mindful, actually, today that I interviewed earlier, how in kind of the spiritual circles and in health and wellness and stuff, it's cool because the branding aspect has sort of like been leveled up a bit, <laughs> you know? Like when I first got into health and wellness and all this stuff, like everyone's website was atrocious. All the photography was horrible. All the fonts, like everything was really kind of nasty looking. And yeah, coming yeah. from the fashion industry, yeah. I just was always found that to be kind of like a off-putting, you know? So it's like cool when I find someone that has a really cool style but is also into spirituality and stuff. Yeah, so I love, I love that. having that dynamic. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I mean, I guess just some people are visually oriented and some aren't. Some people don't care probably. But for me, when it comes to like taking someone's yoga class or even like buying a supplement or something, I'm way more likely to engage if my eye likes it. You know, totally. so, yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, enough about me. <laughs> Let's talk about how you got into Kundalini yoga, meditation, all the stuff that you do. What's your journey been like? What brought you to where you are? Because it seems like you're very committed. 
It's so funny because people say that and I'm like the least disciplined person on the planet. Really? It's, I mean, we were like uh, DMing on Instagram. You're like, oh, I'm doing the long echo on cars every day at four in the morning. I'm like, oh my God, like who could actually like keep up with that? So yeah, how, I mean, how'd you like, get into like this in stuff? In terms of, I'm one of the leaders of it. So there's a lot more, it's nice to have the responsibility to show up for other people when it comes to like personal discipline, for sure. It's definitely been one of the biggest challenges. But um, I worked, as we spoke of a little bit earlier, I worked in fashion. I moved here when I was 17. I went to FIT and was working in fashion. And I actually, I liked it. I didn't really enjoyed it. I didn't, I'm not one of those people that had a bad experience in the fashion industry by any means. Um, but I was really unhappy. A lot of things going on personally and stuff like that. So um, I remember I was working for a menswear company and my mom came to visit and she was just like, man, you look like shit. You need to, I was working like 18 hour days, taking tons of Adderall, this and that, smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. And she's like, why don't we go to a yoga class together? So we went to yoga to the people and it was right across the street from the studio I was working at. So that's kind of, that was my in to yoga. But the really interesting, that was in um, 2010. But in 2009, I was hanging out at this place. Have you heard of Collective Hardware? No. It was on the Bowery. It was like the modern day Warhol factory, basically. It was five floors, huge. I mean, just absolutely beyond massive. And I was hanging out there. It was open 24-7. The people that were at the factory would hang out there as well. Just the most incredible creatives, artists, musicians, and everybody was hanging out there. And there was parties and stuff like that. And when I was hanging out there, I remember there was this like really interesting guy there. And he was an older man. He was Korean. He had silver sideburns and a black ponytail. And he always wore the same thing. A white t-shirt, denim pants, combat boots, and a fine Italian blazer. And he would smoke a cigarette and drink tequila. That's New York for you. What? <laughs> That's New York for you. Yeah. You know, the interesting characters like that. Yeah. He was, and yeah. he would walk around in a, with a sword. They filmed a lot of movies there. They would film like him doing sword fighting scenes. And I never saw skills like that, you know. But I never approached him or anything. And I remember one night, a couple of weeks later, we were all sitting in the recording studio, three o'clock in the morning, listening to music. Somebody was performing, playing. And he's like staring at me from like, the corner of the room. And then he comes up and sits next to me and just tells me like everything about my life, all these really dark things that happened in my childhood. I never spoke two words to him. Wow. Do you know what I mean? Wow. And I, he just looks at me. And the only thing I remember, though, actually word for word, is he says, you have to decide to be happy for no reason. And then he just gets up and walks away. And a, a couple of months later, I discovered that he's a Taoist grandmaster. And so when I left fashion, I somehow reconnected with him and began studying Chinese medicine with him. And that's how I got into the Chinese medicine and, and stuff like that. So Ah, uh, yeah. I saw yeah. that in your bio. Yeah. I was wondering how that transpired. So that's yeah. a trip. Isn't it crazy when you meet someone who has those uh, seeming superpowers like that? I just, I love shit like that. Like yeah. I'm so into gurus that have, like I listen to the Ram Das podcast a lot and he, it's all these like recordings from him and his guru and they tell these fantastic stories of those seeming like superpowers that really conscious people sometimes have where they can yeah. look into you and just be like, and time travel <laughs> yeah. back to your childhood and be like, hey, what happened to that black bicycle you had when you were 10 that got run over on the train tracks? And you're like, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> exactly. it's pretty impressive. Exactly. But, but a true sage or mystic is actually not impressed by their abilities to do that because they don't take credit for it. Totally. You know, and the ones that take credit for it end up being creepy like cult leaders and use their powers for evil and then eventually lose those powers, you know, to the dark side. 
Yeah, and that's what I love about him and my current my spiritual teacher mentor is one of his students who I've been studying with for the past five, six years now. And his name is Chris Chan. He's phenomenal. Someone just told me about him yesterday and said you have to get him on your show. Actually, you know what? I think it was uh I think it was Abby. Yeah, he's yeah. unbelievable. Um really blessed to have And met does him. he not have a space above Hari? The yeah, Kundalini that's where we're doing Center? the Echo and Cars, that Huddy's studio. It is? Oh, yeah. I practiced that. We all, we all were, like, hang out together. That's neat. Cool. Yeah. So Huddy and Chris are very close. And I've been studying with Chris for a while. And so I started hanging out with Huddy. And it's all like interconnected. It's wow, really nice. Wow, neat. Yeah. I know. It's such like a really friendly, tight-knit community here in New York. I've noticed. Yes. It was one that I was really resistant to for a while because it didn't look like the community I wanted to be part of. It's much more, that's something I had to really be honest about is I had a vision of like what I thought the community I wanted was going to look like. And then these are actually, it's like you can't choose your family. Right. It's just kind of, they choose you in that yeah. really weird way. So they're <laughs> you, definitely You should family. see the knuckleheads I hang out with in LA. <laughs> like <laughs> my crew of guys, like we're, we're a very eclectic group yeah, of people, yeah, you yeah. know? Yeah. It's never, I'm sure they never imagined being friends with me. I'm like dragging them up in the mountains to collect spring water. They're like, <laughs> you realize you can buy that at a store? I'm like, no, 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 just trust me. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. worth the three hour drive. So then you could say like most of us, I find that most people that become interested in spirituality and meditation, these types of things, have usually had some sort of catalyst, you know, some sort of painful experience or a health issue that drives them into certain dietary lifestyle or whatever the case may be. So for you, it was more like sort of having a dream, going to fashion school, getting involved in that world in New York, and then becoming really unhealthy. You're smoking cigarettes, you're on Adderall, you're just not fulfilled. Was there any point that you sort of snapped and were like, okay, I'm making a decision, like I need to find God? <laughs> or was it just kind of a natural progression where you started hanging out with healthier people and traveling in yoga circles and things like no, that? I got very, very sick. Mm. So I was very unhappy. I went to Western doctors. My mom, you know, I was like 20 years old. My mom's like, you know, moms are worrying. She's dragging me everywhere. I went to a biomedical doctor and two actually, and my mom was convinced I was anemic. Because I was, I loved fashion, got into the yoga, started hanging out with like the raw vegan crowd. So I went raw vegan and you're supposed to be like healthy when you do that. I got so sick from the raw vegan. Personally, yeah. my experience of yeah. it was that. I, I had a hard time. I was never raw vegan, but I was a vegetarian for 10 years and it, it was really bad for me. Yeah. 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 And I had, I was a vegetarian for about 10 years the same as well. Mm -hmm. um, since I was about eight until maybe longer than that. Mm, so, wow. yeah, I, my mom is an animal activist. Ah, so that's she, tough. Yeah, yeah, so she kind of, when I was like seven years old, put a PETA magazine in my lap. Oh, shit. And it was just like, you decide what you want. Right. You know, it's funny. I, um, I, I take side trips here, so I'll always bring us back uh, to where we started. But I was reading an article online a few months ago about how a couple had actually been arrested in Germany because they raised their kid vegan. And the kid I had. I think I heard of that. Did, yeah. yeah, and the kid have, had had all these developmental problems from being deprived of those key like fat soluble nutrients that are in eggs and dairy right, and meat right, and things right. like that. You know, it's interesting. So, I don't know. It's I've always had a hard time with that thing because I, f for health reasons and ethical reasons, was a vegetarian too. But it's like my body didn't like it. Like yeah. I like the idea of not having animals be sacrificed for my own benefit and <laughs> sustenance <laughs> but my body was like f you 
we miss it, you know. Well, that was like that was my experience when I started eating meat finally. Right. So I loved fashion, started the raw vegan thing, got was doing I was dating somebody at the time that was super super healthy, did all of the but he actually looked healthy. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like he actually mm-hmm. looked like that stuff worked for him. So I kept trying to emulate everything that he did, not even factoring that there's two different makeups. Like men and women are totally different, totally different. What men can do with food and wellness, women have to be very, very careful, which is not something I learned until Kundalini Yoga and learning everything Yogi Bhajan taught about women and hormones and stuff like that. So that was a huge wake-up call that didn't happen for me until like That's 10 years true. later. That's true. That's a lot of the problems that a lot of women have going vegan is the hormonal cascade of destruction that takes place when you don't have the building blocks for hormones for sure exactly yeah. and then, you know low fat diet it's just all that stuff it's a mess that's why i like the chinese medicine too because their perspective on food is not really one size it's not it's not not at all one size fits all it's very dynamic very curative what this person needs in the moment and they don't look at meat they don't look at any of these foods as um you shouldn't do it it's what's the energetic property of this thing Right. That is supposed to help you. And it's when I was very sick, I was eventually diagnosed by master, the grandmaster that I was studying with, went to two biomedical doctors, got my blood test. They couldn't find anything wrong with me. They said it was in my head. I had gained 25 pounds. I was breaking out with cystic acne, um, had such bad fatigue. I couldn't get out of bed. Walking up the stairs was like not even a, an option. At the and time. this is after you were a raw vegan for how long? Um, three months wow that's interesting because what i've observed with people that it's usually like they have health a health crisis then they go raw vegan and they do a lot of detoxing and sort of rebuilding and they get healthy for a period of time and then after a few months if they even make it that long uh, or a couple years then their health starts to decline and then they ease back in on bone broth and things that are like yeah like easier to handle psychologically you know yeah so that's interesting that you just like tanked from the get-go because I, mean, I, I view like a raw vegan thing as like a great thing to do as a cleansing process for a while and kind of reset and then, you know, build a foundation from there according to like what foods work for you individually, as you said, because we're all different. And that's a, that's even like if you want to look at a like my whole food perspective now is totally based off of Chinese medicine. Mm. You know, not that I'm like perfect with my diet by any means, but my approach to health and wellness is very you know, from the Chinese medicine, from what I learned with Master and what I learned, continue to learn with Chris. It's like, okay, you, like in my example, for example, I had severe eating disorders for years prior to getting into health and wellness. So my digestive system was very weak. So even something like raw vegan for me, I can't digest that. It's too hard in the system. Me too. Very Same hard thing. on the system yeah. to digest. And like r- a bunch of raw vegetables will just destroy me. It's like the worst thing ever. <laughs> That's weird. And I love yeah. that Chinese medicine is able to understand that because they say right. like raw food is cold energetically and your stomach needs the fire of the digestive system. Right. So you're eating the cold food, it, like, it, it doesn't have the fire. But like a cancer patient, for example, has a lot of inflammation and heat inside the body. So mm. someone like that possibly could do raw vegan. And they possibly need that heat to be cooled out. But you have someone who's cold nature, you know, someone who has very sick and fatigue and tired, you put more cold inside of them, they're going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. So it's really interesting how 
we can't really look at it as you did this, that worked for you, I'm going to do it. It's very, you need to look at all the parts in the whole and decide what's going to work for this system, this particular yeah, system. I like that. That's yeah. And that's the interesting thing when you go to see a Chinese medicine practitioner, the first thing they do is have you stick out your tongue. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? And then they feel your pulse. Yeah. And then like, if you go to a true, you know, like a legit one, and then all of a sudden they go over and there's shelves and jars of these like bulk herbs. And then they have a little paper bag and they're love like, Chris when you meet little of this, little that, little that, go home and boil that. And that's going to heal your kidneys or, you know, how they work on that, like the temperature of foods and the temperature yeah. within your body. And it, it's, it, it sounds kooky, but then you've got to realize if you have like an analytical Western indoctrination, it sounds kooky, but you have to understand that that medicine is much older than our current paradigm of medicine, so interesting. which isn't even in many cases medicine, but like it's more like illness management program, you know, the surgery and pharmaceutical model. So I, I love that stuff. Like even when I was a little kid, I um, lived in the Bay Area and my mom would take me to San Francisco a lot to Chinatown, Yeah, you know, just as like a little tourist yeah, yeah. kind of thing or field trips and things. And, I loved going in those shops and the smell of the herbs. Like, and then they have these big jars like with giant ginseng roots in them and stuff yeah. like that. And they're like being preserved. It was, I don't know. I just always was attracted to that. You know, little did I know some years later that would like become a lot of what I do for it's a living. Is that so kind of funny? Stuff. I mean, at school, like I open. <clears throat> I mean, we had like a herbal, um, an herbal dispensary at school. And, you know, you just go in there and look because it's like Hogwarts in there. Right. And just all the bugs and snakeskin and stuff like that. That's so powerful. Though. I remember one morning when, when I used to study with Master, we used to go to his house in New Jersey. And it was a small group of us. And, I mean, he was such a funny guy. He would wake up very early or he wouldn't sleep very much or whatever. So I remember one morning I woke up because we never knew what time he was going to start. When we studied with Master, it was like, you just, we got up at like six thirty, seven o'clock and then... Maybe he starts at 9, maybe he starts at 11. Sometimes would go until like 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning with lecture. So I remember one morning I couldn't sleep very well. So I just woke up, it was like 5 o'clock in the morning, and I went into the kitchen, and I just see him, he's like staring out the window, and he's just like eating out of a bowl. And I'm like, oh, well, I was terrified of him. So I tried to like always be like, hi, what are you doing? And I was like, master, what are you eating? And he was like, he just like shows me the bowl, and it was a whole bowl of cockroaches. Are you serious? Eating them like cereal. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. That's next level. Wow. He says, you want some? I was like, I'm thinking I'm going to make wow. some eggs. Yeah, that's funny. A friend of mine uh, who's a fellow podcaster, this guy, Daniel Vitalis, he's like, his whole shtick is rewilding. So he's, yeah, into, yeah. he's really into wild food and he eats a lot of insects. So he goes out and, you know, he comes home with a bowl of grasshoppers or whatever, mealworms and shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's sort of like a food group that's not cool to Western culture. But well, they're I, starting to do like the crickets or something. Yeah, yeah. You can buy bars. like cricket protein bars. Yeah. Bar, yeah. It's funny. When I landed this trip in New York, I had an old ass like one in my travel bag that was like all had turned to basically powder. And I was Ugh. like, I don't like wasting food. So I like ate that cricket bar. It's funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, but I've never heard of cockroaches. That's next level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They like have I a lot was, of protein in them. I, I'm sure they do. It's <laughs> just from eating garbage. But uh, I was in Cambodia a few years ago, and I didn't see this really in, in the cities, but way out in the middle of nowhere, just in rural areas, there'll be these little stands, and you think they're selling like, uh, you know, 
roasted almonds or something like they sell like <laughs> on the streets in New York. And I'd be like, oh, what do you guys have to be a big bowl of like, like mealworms or yeah. these giant grasshoppers and stuff? I'm like, I, isn't that the worst? You like got really hungry and then. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's weird, that what I've always thought about it really isn't all in your mind though. Because if you think about seafood, like what is a right. lobster if not a giant cockroach or a grasshopper <laughs> of the sea? And I like eat that. <gasps> I ate a lobster tail at Chelsea Market two days ago. It was fucking delicious. Did you go to the seafood place? Yeah. It's my dad's favorite. He drives oh, us there every time. It's legit. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So why would I eat that but not a grasshopper that's like probably more clean and has a much shorter life? Don't ruin seafood for me. <laughs> Anyway, I yeah, sorry about that. Now, now you're going to eat like a crab and be like, oh my God, this is actually the same as lice, just bigger. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Never thought about it that way. Or the but. other kind of crab. Sorry, <laughs> had to do it. Um, okay, so you're studying Chinese medicine and at what point was the turning point? When yeah, you, so we kind of like jumped around. When your so health started. So I left the fashion industry. Right. I did two yoga trainings. I did my first training in 2010. And I met Master in 2009. And I love that you call him Master. That sounds like so cool. I picture him being like the samurai warrior or something. He is, basically. Cool. Super samurai warrior type of... I mean, he's just like... His arms are like this thick. You know, just like pure solid muscle. His nickname is Sword of Mortal. Oh, wow. And um, he's, I, th I forget which number. I think either 72nd or 75th Taoist Grandmaster of that lineage. The Dong Han Pa lineage. And um, his teacher, he learned how to do, make swords with him. So he's very adept at sword. He's like one of the best sword fighters. When I studied with Master, it was a lot of lecture because he got he's older now and he's traveling a lot and he works with like cancer research boards and stuff like that. His pulse, I mean, like you said, the pulse diagnostics, he can read your pulse and tell you what your genetic makeup is, what your DNA looks like, what your parents' DNA looks like, like disease, a cancer at, you know, stage zero. Like, where's the cancer going in the bloodstream? There was one woman who had, um, this is actually one of Chris's patients, but he's been studying with Master so This is where he gets the skills. She thought that she had cancer in her ovaries. And, you know, she went, I told her, go to Chris, go see Chris. And she goes to him and um, he looks at her and she so he says, you don't have cancer in your, in your ovaries. And she even had gone to the doctor and they said, you have precancer cells, said that. And so she goes to him and he's like, you don't have cancer in your ovaries. You need to go home and fix your relationship with your husband. And she never told wow. anybody that, that her and her husband had not been getting along. It was like the picture perfect marriage. They were like doing everything. And she gets a call two weeks later from the gynecologist saying that they misread the test and that she doesn't have precancerous cells. So I call Chris and I text him. I say, what, what was that all about? Like, how can that even show up in the blood work as cancer and he says because she does have some pre she has like stage zero cancer mm -hmm. it's not in her ovaries though it's moving into her breasts and if she doesn't fix her relationship with her husband she's going to develop breast cancer holy shit he's like amazing so wow next level yeah so i loved fashion sort of doing yoga two three years of teaching yoga i wasn't making any money so somehow i magically connected with master i moved back home to baltimore I don't remember who texted who. I hadn't spoken to him since 2009. This is 2012. And I somehow, either he texted me or I texted him. And he's in Baltimore, where I was living at the time. And he's like, why don't you come to this Kung Fu tournament? And the tournament was 10 minutes from my house. So I went there and said hi. And it ends up being his tournament. And there's like hundreds and hundreds of people you know, fighting. And I met everybody. That's where I met Chris. That's where I met everybody. So he kind of, that's the moment where he started to... Um, 
you know, say, why don't you get a master's degree in Chinese medicine and study with me on the side? And, you know, you'll, you'll have a great career out of it and you'll learn a lot. So that's how I got into the acupuncture and the Chinese medicine. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. So yeah. I've always wondered that, like, how yoga teachers make money. Like, I get how the owner of a studio makes money. I see the model there, you know? Yeah. It's a few different models that they use, but they all, you know, basically have a similar kind of breakdown that encourages you to, like, get on a monthly, you know? That's kind of the idea. Yeah. And I know how reoccurring payments and stuff work as a business owner that has that kind of model as well. But I'm always looking at the teachers like, um, if you only work an hour a day, like you teach one yoga class at one studio a day, like how the fuck do you eat? Like, Because they don't do that. I mean, it's like it's a hustle. I have friends who teach like three, four classes a day. Ah, okay. They're and especially like in running. New York. I mean, yeah. the cost of living here is astronomical. Yeah. Privates. So okay. you teach you at go. studios and you want to get some privates. I see. So somebody takes your class and like, oh my God, I love your style. And then you go yeah. to their house or whatever and teach them. Yeah. And then you can charge a premium. Yeah. Oh. And a lot of teachers do that. And then do what the, I found... Uh, do the studios get pissed if you're like sort of netting customers out of the studio and doing privates? Or is that just kind of the way it is? I think it's the way it is. I don't think they also have a say. Because if the student right. wants to have a deeper experience and... Like maybe they have some sort of condition, like maybe they have a knee injury. Right, right. And they can't really, like they go to the studio class, but then they can't do everything. So you go to a private and it can be more catered to what you need. I see. Okay. So if the studio does get pissed, I'd say that's really fucked up. And right. It's like, <laughs> right, okay. Like yeah. drop it. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think it's really nice because most people who do privates, I think they also still go to the studio. Okay. That's my understanding of it. Okay. It's kind of like cool. a mix of both. Yeah, that yeah. makes perfect sense. I've always been curious about that, though. Yeah. When I'm taking a class, I always, like, I don't know, I kind of feel bad for the teacher sometimes. I'm like, how much of a cut, especially if it's a smaller class, like yeah. a packed class, I'm like, all right, maybe they're getting a cut or, like, they get, a, you know, like a decent fee for class. But if you go into a class and there's, like, four people there, I'm always like, oh, shit. Yeah. How do they They're eat, teaching you know? a lot. I mean, I have one girlfriend. She teaches, I don't even know how many classes a week she teaches. It's insane. I couldn't do it. I was like, that's not the lifestyle I want to live. I yeah. hated running from studio to studio. So I teach, right now I have one class a week at Sky Ting. Yeah, the one that I missed, <laughs> which I'm not going to be good here one. for on the you next one. God one. damn it. A puppy was even there puppy too. Was there. That looked like Yogi Bajan. Yogi Bajan. So what but else Workshops do too. They teach workshops. Ah, and workshops right, right, are okay. That's what I love doing. Ah, but okay. mostly because workshops is a deeper experience. So Right. But it's a nice way to get a lot of people in there. I see. Okay, so you get into, you did some teacher training and you got into the Chinese medicine. Then at what point did you like start eating meat and when did you start to kind oh, of yeah. the pendulum swing the other way where your health came back and you started to get stronger? When I was doing the vinyasa yoga, I always felt like something was missing, especially because I wasn't getting any better with my health. So Chris started treating me and I was getting into the wellness and stuff and I couldn't really figure out what was going to make me better. And when Chris was treating me, he would get so mad. I mean, I think he like hated me in the beginning. He was just like every week I, you come to me and I fix you and then you go back and you're depressed and you're miserable and you come back sicker. He's like, so I'm not treating you until you go get therapy. So he sent me to this guy, Thomas Jones. Have you heard of him? Mm -mm. Oh my gosh. He a is, therapist? He's not even a therapist. He's like, beyond 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 he's the coolest guy on the planet i think he looks like indiana jones a little bit 
He's really got like got I love this, all these like, characters suave. in your life. I'm like, I need to meet all these people. Yeah, Thomas, I've sent so many people to him and they're just blown away by him. Sounds like a good uh, podcast guest potentially. He's, it would be an amazing podcast guest. Noted. He's incredible. Okay. So I started working with him and he started to help me change my mindset. Mm-hmm. And um, what I had to realize over time that I was using wellness and eating and food as another means to fuel the eating disorders so I wasn't getting better health-wise. So I had to stop looking at it from a food and wellness approach and started going to Thomas. I started getting into the Kundalini Yoga, but mostly just because I saw people who practice Kundalini Yoga and I was like, wow, they're so pretty and radiant and bright and they look good. So that's how I got into it. And, and then you, So uh, partially vanity motivated then? Because you said you're having cystic acne. I mean, that sounds pretty gnarly. I, I was really bad at one point. Wow, God. What does that do for you, like, <coughs> psychologically? Were, were you really insecure and, it like, was, felt shameful when you're out in public and things like that? It was probably... I, mean, I imagine as a woman, it's probably a much more challenging than it would be even for some men. It was like the worst three years ever. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I really hid. And the irony is I launched my skincare brand while I had the acne. So that made things even worse because there was an image that I was perpetuating yeah. and created a brand. And the brand was really created because I had been attacking my skin with so many harsh products. So I wanted to make something really beautiful that would let me, you know, be nice to my skin. And that was the original message. But then the pressure that probably I put on myself as the Instagram numbers kept going up which was not something I ever planned on. Do you know what I mean? I never thought that that would ever happen, that people would be so passionate about the brand and the story and what I was doing with the inner and outer beauty. And I just started to feel this anxiety and pressure and like, oh my gosh, what if they see me with acne? Like, what are they going to think? I totally relate to that. That's why I never take my shirt off on Instagram. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm like Mr. Health and wellness and stuff. And like, I'm not in like horrible shape, but I'm definitely, I don't have a fucking six pack. You know, I'm not like ripped. I'm not the guy who on Instagram, like shirtless all the time, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably would be if I was in another industry though. Because it's yeah. like, I remember, I don't mention it, but there was a really big health and wellness guy years ago. And people would always like leave these really mean comments on his Facebook and stuff because he wasn't in like great shape, but he was like a really big kind of health food leader and stuff like that. And everyone like mm, called him out on being a hypocrite so much because he wasn't like super ripped and lean, you know? So I don't know. I think I was like traumatized from just him getting so much harassment, you know? It's like a real thing because I had so much anxiety that I did not show up in so many places. Like, I had so many opportunities presented to me, but I was so afraid of being seen that it was really not until this year, actually, that I really started to just, you know, Chris would always push me. He's like, you just have to, like, you feel afraid of showing up. And the only way that you're ever going to get rid of this is you have to show up, no matter how afraid you are. And what I started doing, there's a really dumb little story that it's a good example of it. But I was so insecure with about my skin that there was a bar on the corner in Williamsburg where all like the good looking guys would hang out and they would sit and have a beer at like the end of the day. And if I came from the gym and I didn't have any makeup on, I would walk on the other side of the street, particularly to avoid them. Right. And I realized after time that every time I did that, I would perpetuate the story. So it started to become the way that small small way that you practice, I would walk on that side of the street 
and it would terrify right. me. Like, like with I bad would, skin in front of all the hot guys. Well, it's not. Yeah, with bad yeah. skin in front of all, which is like a Scorpio's <laughs> biggest fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scorp- you know? I totally, I totally understand. You know, so that's like me um, going for at home. The I still do that. The equivalent for me is wearing my like orange blue blocking glasses that are like seven dollars <laughs> on Amazon that make you look like a total fucking douche. <laughs> uh, you know the store Air One in LA. Yeah, you know it's like a it's like a nightclub full of like hot healthy girls it's yeah. just insane you know <laughs> and it gives me anxiety actually sometimes to go there because just there's too many hot women it's just like <laughs> i'm trying to go get my fucking vitamins you know <laughs> I'm not trying to walk into like a club but i'll go in there at night like nine o'clock at night when it's just bumping with my stupid <laughs> orange glasses on i'm just like okay you can do this Luke. it doesn't matter you're not going to meet them anyway it doesn't <laughs> care if they think you're weird and ugly but I, we all i think relate you know to that self-consciousness for whatever reason you know so you started identifying that and going fuck this i'm just gonna own it and walk by the hot guys well it's like that was like the first approach to it i started to finally take chris's advice it's like we have a little joke he's like you've been my student for five years you've never taken my advice so he like never gives me advice anymore which is great but um he does that but it was the first time that i started to realize that we have so many ways in which we feed our neuroses and that keeps it alive. So every time that I would, the first time I walked across was traumatizing. You know, the anxiety. The, the real reason I asked him the question was because that first time that I walked across and that anxiety, my question for Chris was, those feelings, are they going to create illness inside the body? Because I never did it enough times to conquer the fear. I just did enough times to feel the anxiety. Mm-hmm. Second time was kind of like, ugh. Third time I was like, okay, sure, why not? I like the fourth and fifth time I was like, Hey, how's it going? You <laughs> nice, just stopped, nice. you know, like, you know, yeah. feeling afraid. And I had briefly dated a guy in February who worked in menswear. He had a clothing line and um, I love menswear so much. I miss it so much. And so that kind of rekindled my love for fashion, for Patla, for uh, music. There was an amazing rapper there that reminded me how much I love rap music. Cause when I got into wellness, I was like mantras left and right which are amazing and practical, but like the rap really, I loved the music. But one of the models of the show, the men, he had acne. And in the lookbook, they shot him with the blemishes. And he was so confident and just so cool that I, I knew there was something there. So I started to play with like not wearing makeup and just trying to figure out where that confidence, where does it come from and how do you get it? And a lot of what helped also was the Sat Kriya one of the kundalini meditations really broke me through a lot of insecurities and kind of allowed me to take those steps and face those fears and stuff like that so but i really think it was that model honestly i was just like man he's he doesn't give a fuck like he he has blemishes and he doesn't care he thinks he's cool and you know what everybody else thinks he's cool because he thinks he's cool yeah that's all that matters yeah well that's the thing about insecurities like that they're sort of self-perpetuating because you get reflected back to whatever you're projecting in terms of your own self-worth so it's like if your self-worth sucks people devalue you exactly it's it's, fucking crazy it's wild (laughs) it's like the worst sort of um karmic trick of the universe you know that's like god if you're insecure and like hate yourself like why doesn't it garner love and approval from other people but it actually (laughs) repels other people you know it's crazy the way that works yeah somebody you should interview for your podcast is lacey phillips did you hear about her no free and native oh i know that site yeah Yeah. another well-branded and well-curated site she just redid her site it looks amazing but she's also someone who's a big influence on me on increasing self-worth increasing confidence and how to actually do that in a very practical way so i did a lot of um reading on her site i did a couple sessions with her one or two sessions and 
really kind of combined what she taught me with some of the Kundalini Yoga and she really helped me break through a lot of insecurities and helped me learn how to increase my own self-worth through some of the tools that she taught me. Cool. Yeah. It pains me deeply to have to interrupt this fantastic conversation with Desiree, but listen, I'm giving away two free tickets to the upcoming Bulletproof Biohacking Conference October 13th through 15th in LA. It's right around the corner. I've been the last two years. This is a fantastic event. I'm going to be running around the whole time. If you win, you're going to come hang out with me and thousands of other wacky biohackers, okay? So here's what you have to do to enter to win the tickets. Get ready. You're going to text the word Bulletproof Luke to the number 44222. So pause the podcast for a second, grab your phone, text the word Bulletproof Luke to the number 44222. Now, if you're outside of the USA and you don't have a US phone number, that's not going to work. So if you're international, if you're fancy like that, here's what you have to do. You got to open up your browser, put in this URL address, www.bit.ly forward slash bulletproof T-I-X. So that's bit.ly forward slash bulletproof ticks with the T-I-X, Okay. Otherwise, make it easy on yourself and text Bulletproof Luke to the number 44222. These tickets are worth a thousand bucks, dude. It's a really great contest, super easy to uh, enter. And I'm going to announce the winner next Monday, the 9th of October, which is like, uh, yeah, just a few days before the event. All right. So enter. Hope to see you there. Peace out. And now back to the interview with Desiree Pace. Well, thanks for the tip on the free and native girl. I always wondered who was behind that. I've I've come across it at different times, and then for some reason never pursued it because I didn't get like exactly what they do. But it's it's one of those ones that I come across when I'm researching people for the show and stuff like that. She it's been amazing to watch her process because she when I first got into her website she was um, a wellness coach. But don't take my word for that. She was really about food and hormones and this and that right. and healing. And somewhere along the line, she seamlessly beautifully because it wasn't like this big announcement that I'm doing this and I'm doing that she just shifted into manifestation and she has just blown up since then I mean that that's like where her real juice is she's so grounded in it it's not like this like fluffy it's so practical it's almost like very Virgo but she's not I don't think she's a Virgo but it's very like calculated but also very easy and applicable so in addition to her kind of helping you with the inner confidence and just self-acceptance and all that piece, like what, because now like I look at your skin, you're sitting very close to me. Listeners were like <laughs> two feet away from each other. Your skin is like a fucking 10 year old. <laughs> like you have really, really beautiful skin. So well, aside from just positive affirmations and like having a good attitude. Positive affirmations didn't work for me. <laughs> okay, so Honestly, you tried that? they did not work for me. <laughs> You're like, I am beautiful and I have clear skin. Not happening. So not what happened? Happen, um, I mean, I what I know about skin, I've never had like acute skin problems per se, but I always just intuitively know if somebody's trying to put some sort of topical treatment on their face, it's probably not going to work that it has something to do with a their detoxing pathways or a hormonal imbalance or something like that where the skin health is really coming from the inside not so much the outside so what how did you fix that chris had always pushed me to find my sexuality and to feel sexy to feel beautiful to feel to feel confident and i couldn't figure out how to do that when i first started getting into yoga and wellness because i had perfect skin when I was in fashion and I was dressing up and I was going out and I was enjoying life and I felt really good and I felt hot. 
Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And then I got into yeah. yoga and wellness and I was just like hemp, granola, green juice, green drinking, like <laughs> kind of situation. And I thought that I had to take on that construct to be a wellness person, to be a yogi. And um, really it was this year that I started doing the Satkriya in January. I think that kind of woke it up a little bit. Actually, let me take that back. When we did the Long Ekong Cars last year, the 40 days of the Long Ekong Cars, that opened up. I was kind of like, huh, something feels different. And I started to slowly move away from the granola kind of like, I totally respect the lifestyle, but I was like wearing the turban all the time and that wasn't me. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I wearing- you're talking to a guy, I wear like all black in every single Kundalini class. Exactly. But I asked my teacher about it. She's like, dude, wear whatever you want. Who cares? You have to do whatever. Yeah. You know, how did you even which, talk about it? Which would have turned me off if she was like, well, you're not really going to get the effects if you don't wear a turban. Like, Every once in a while, she'd be like, hey, you should cover your head in this part because, you know, energy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All right, so I put on a baseball cap, but <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I don't actually just don't own anything that's not black, really. You know, I'm yeah. not trying. It's and just, if you did, it wouldn't feel good, right? Well, yeah, it's just when I shop, I don't like look for a pink thing. You know, it's just yeah. like, oh, that's a cool shirt. It just happens to be black. So anyway. Yeah, well, it's like if you put on a bespoke suit, like, would that feel good to you? Yeah. Okay. Then if you put on like a, what, what, like, what's like. Well, this is, I, I've talked about the psychology of fashion a lot, having been a stylist before. And I, women get it. Cause yeah. women like to feel beautiful. Men sometimes aren't that mm, intimately aware of like how they feel in clothes. Uh, but I've explained to guys, like <laughs> if you go into Barney's and you like try on a St. Laurent suit or a Dior suit, like you're going to immediately feel emotionally and mentally different than if you go to Ross and like try on like some and that there's you know. so much energy there yeah. that people don't know. Yeah. So I'm I'm a firm believer in that. Yeah. But also there's a the fine line and it's a slippery slope to have your ego identified with like what types of garments you're putting on your meat suit, which is like the other end of the spectrum where your self worth is derived from like the fucking labels you wear or whatever, which is so vapid and such a dead end road. Yeah. But I do believe in the energy of clothing and just the way that you feel. And I've even gone so far to think about it like this where it's like high fashion. Part of what you're paying for is the glamour, which is totally phony because you have a label on your shirt or dress or whatever, right? But if you think about the care that goes into the design of a garment like that, like an artist created that suit, right? There's something about it that's more nuanced than a cheap suit from Banana Republic, let's say, right? Yeah. Then the materials with which it was constructed the care with which it was actually put together and sewn together, right? So there is actually just a higher level of consciousness in the whole creation of that garment. And I think when you put it on, the way that it forms to your body sort of transposes to the way that you feel. Yours is like the nice version, right? It's like the most Yeah, well, I mean, you know, because I'm trying to like walk the both lines here coming from fashion too. But I explain this to guys, especially when, I, I mean, I wouldn't get this deep with it, but when I was working with a client and they're like, even if they had money, they still like oftentimes celebrities and musicians, they don't want to spend money because they're used to getting everything for free. And so they say, well, why should I fucking get this suit that's $2,500? I'm like, dude, yeah. just put it on and then we'll talk about how you feel. And they put it on and they're, they're like, like damn. Yeah, exactly. And they're, and they're going to perform in the music video or in the photo shoot or whatever differently than they would in the one from Topshop. This is like my favorite kind of topic ever. <laughs> okay. You have no idea because that's what yeah. really helped me transform. Okay, cool. Like, people so carry People want to know like why, how did your skin get butter they want to know my diet they want to know the that's products what i, I was use. getting at i was like did were your hormones jacked no, because up because i told you in the beginning i'm terrible with discipline okay. so i never did the hormone diet i would do it for like two days and then i would right. like be like chocolate or french fries or 
Like, no. I like to enjoy and my family's I can tell. That's, I liked you when you walked in and I was eating bacon. I was like, <laughs> I hope she's not like a vegan yogi that's going to hit me. I was like, can I have some? going to spray paint my leather jacket <laughs> with a pita sign or something. <laughs> you, you came in, you're like, I'm starving. I'm like, you want some bacon? You know, you're like, yes. Ah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, I, d- I eat well, you know, but there w- I could never get it better. And um, so definitely credit the Sot Korea, which I started in January. But the same time I met that guy that was in fashion and I started dressing up more because I was reintroduced to my love for the fashion industry and um, started listening to rap music, which kind of made me feel really sexy and powerful. Started getting really inspired by French women. So dressing like them and just feeling it's a feeling the sexiness and especially for Scorpio you know they have to feel sexy and everybody has different things you know like maybe somebody needs to feel cute or pretty or very girly you know mine's like this um power and feeling Scorpio power exactly but (laughs) it's a real thing right I get it yeah so I think really that I can 100% to you say that's what cleared my skin up that's crazy just feeling beautiful again and feeling attitude and all Attitude is everything. Wow, interesting. Know? And you know, I use I, I also another thing is really the mind in a lot of ways. A lot of the things I was doing when I had acne was perpetuating the acne. So like being obsessive of like washing my face or like looking in the mirror so much or using so many products that what I started to do, I said, Okay, I've been doing this this way for five years and it's not fucking working. I can keep banging my head against the wall or I need to change something. And I would think to my ex-boyfriend he had perfect skin i mean like perfect skin i was afraid to even like reuse a towel because it was like dirty you know and so i would think i started to think okay what would jared do <laughs> that's funny <laughs> like terrified of drama i said what would jared do <laughs> what would jared do so you could actually get one of those necklaces that was like wwjd yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> he would love that so okay he doesn't wash his face that much he just puts his cream on at night and then just goes to bed, you know? That's my skin regimen. For a 46-year-old, not to toot my own horn, but I have, have decent skin. skin. I never, ever put soap on my face, ever. Hot and water and then, like, some kind of oil concoction afterward. And I, I never have acne or anything. And that's because your skin... What I started to also say to myself over and over again was, if my skin can make this, it can figure out how to fix itself. If it can make that, it can figure out how to not make it. Right. So I need to get out of the way and just kind of like let it, which was obviously very hard in the beginning because when you have a problem, your first nature is to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. Right? I I know exactly. Yeah, that's how it is with my back. It's like I'm always on to the next like miracle cure for my back pain or something. (laughs) And then there's time and it's, uh, it's like, I'm just like, fuck it. I just give up. And then either it stops hurting or I just forget about it. I'm not sure because I'm not, I don't have that acute awareness of it that seems to perpetuate it. You know, it's interesting. And I think that that's kind of, you know, I love my dad, especially as I'm getting older and he's getting older. He's kind of becoming this like Buddha which is really funny because he's like the most flashy, flamboyant, like Russian party animal ever. And um, he would just tells me the most simple things that I would discard a lot because it's just like, you know, family and don't listen to anything your parents say. Oh, but of course. I didn't listen to my dad until I was like 40 years old. Now I call him like, what do I do? What do I do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I call all him, of like, a sudden my dad is a fucking genius, you know? Genius. Like, so I'm like, did he get smarter or did I just become less arrogant and willing <laughs> to listen to him? I don't know. It's it's really fascinating because he would say things like, you know, just don't worry about it. Stop thinking about it. 
And I was just like, how can you possibly do that? You know, like, it's here, it's there. How am I supposed to stop thinking about it? And he's like, just do something else. Don't think about it. And that's what actually healed it was I stopped thinking about it. I stopped looking in the mirror. I stopped obsessing over it. And um, the other thing, going back to the clothes conversation, is he would say to me, because when I was like super granola, I mean, he fucking hated it. Because Russians are like all about the labels, you know, and I always kind of disdain them for that reason i was like you're so pretentious and this and that and it wasn't until the last couple of years that i started to really respect it because we had a conversation about it and he says baby like if you look good you feel good and if you feel good you look good and that's the formula and he says you know i put this on because i like it because i like how it looks i like how it feels and then what i started to realize was that when he buys when he would go into these stores like he loves gucci loves you know versace loves all these like very you know when we go shopping in these stores for him you just see how different there's a there's a feeling of power that comes when you can purchase something like that and he works very 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 hard you know and they came from nothing so seeing his perspective on it coming from nothing and being able to buy something like this it's it all it does is equals power and as we know from the kundalini yoga like it can be good power it can be bad power it doesn't matter what depends what you use it for and i just love looking at clothes as a way to access some sort of power inside of you and possibly you know like that's what i was saying yours is the nice version you're like well there was an artist behind it and i'm like oh whatever it's fine that's nice cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. i'm like, like I shit just looks like dope that's the that's what's behind it oh well, you know some people like you said i do agree that you can possibly get very egotistical about the name brands for sure but i think also as i get older and i appreciate nicer things there's something about being like especially because i work so hard to be able to afford nice things so if i can purchase something it really has all of that weight behind it like all the hard work that i did to be able to get something nice for myself that's beautiful that has a lot of value to it and it makes yeah. me feel really good when i put it on yeah i think it's all about uh, awareness and intention right exactly. so like i have a fucking really nice car that my business leases it's a bmw x5 it's a 2016 it's fucking gorgeous and it drives yeah. like a beast <laughs> but if I'm attached to that car and if something happened and I were to lose that car and I would feel a sense of loss, then I have a bad relationship with that car. Exactly. You know, like I have to be in a place in my life where I could appreciate a having no car or having a total piece of shit hoopty that like girls don't think is cool at all. And if I have the awareness that like I'm attached to my, my self worth, in other words, it's like interrelated to the car that i drive then i've lost the game you know and not that that doesn't sneak have you in tried sometimes. the other car um <laughs> i've rented piece of shit cars yeah and you know what i actually have no problem with it yeah but i wasn't in hollywood so i don't know <laughs> take <laughs> away my car for like a six-month experiment and give me like a piece of shit and make me be like an uber driver and like not be cool not nothing against if you drive uber but you know like yeah, yeah. whatever take a pay grade you know loss or downgrade my status socially yeah, or something yeah. But it's the same way with clothes. It's like there was a time in my rock and roll phase when I was playing in bands and stuff. Like I literally would not go to the grocery store. I wouldn't go anywhere unless I looked like I was like going on stage to perform with a rock and roll band. And if I went out somewhere socially, if I wasn't like the coolest looking fucking guy in like a whole club or whatever, it would just drive me crazy. Like if there was someone like doper than me, I'd be so pissed. I mean, this is like <laughs> hard to admit, but I was like really invested in my hair and I was so self-conscious and just all my clothes were like this whole thing. And then as I started to sort of 
evolve a little bit and learn a little bit and get more into spirituality, I started to do experiments, kind of like you're talking about walking right. by the hot guys with acne. Yeah. I would just start to like, not, it wasn't even intentional, but I'd go out and find myself just wearing like totally lame sweats and like a dirty t-shirt and my hair not like fixed and I didn't even notice that I was doing it. And then I'd catch myself like, oh, that's weird. Like <laughs> I don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah. And so there's a period where I sort of just lost the attachment to having to be presented in a certain way. Right. And so now it's kind of cool. I have a sense of freedom because I might go out one day like looking super dope and my shit is like on point and I feel really good about it. Yeah. But I also don't give a fuck if I go out looking like a total nerd or right, like right, right. literally like wearing like a dirty t-shirt that like is wrinkled and I look homeless or whatever. <laughs> There's hot but that's girls kind of around. Like the thing now. I don't the homeless. Look. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, no, really. Yeah. I walk around Williamsburg, and there's like some homeless people that I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I just can't tell if they're like. If I like literally, I text my friends all the time, and I like take like a little. I'm like, is this like Comme des Garcons? Are they homeless? I don't know which. Like, do right, I like right. flirt with this person, or are they homeless? Right. Should I leave them some change or give them my number? <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's the distinction there. Is it not yeah. that it's like, what's my intention? Am I am I like trying to impress because my self-worth naturally inherently just me as a naked human being on the planet is so low that I'm propping myself up or do I actually feel decent about myself and a nice clothing or a nice car or something on the material plane is just an add-on because I like nice shit like mm -hmm. with my car at home I don't hate that if I go on a date that like I have a nice car and the girl's probably going to notice that I'm doing something right like I'm aware of that all right I'll admit it <laughs> I always like wonder what the guy's perspective is. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> well, you're aware of it. You know, like you feel a little better about yourself going to pick yeah. a girl up in a BMW than if you know an '87 Tercel or something. But really, what it is is, dude, when I drive around in that car, especially on road trips and stuff, it is such a dope car to like just the driving experience. Right. I don't know. The Germans got that shit figured out. I just took a trip up to Napa Valley and I just drove by myself and I just I was just cruising around in the mountains and driving super fast. I went out on Point Reyes, which is this beautiful area um, above San Francisco and there's no cops out there. And I was just, I was like in a BMW commercial in my mind, like classical music <laughs> cranked, which is like, <laughs> you know. Classical music. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, like literally like a BMW commercial, you yeah. know, and just having the best fucking time. And yeah. I really just enjoyed the machinery yeah. of the car, but no one could see me. Yeah. I wasn't like Instagramming like my Rolex with the BMW <laughs> steering wheel and shit, you know, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the douchey humble brag. Yeah. I'm by myself just really being grateful for like a, yeah. a really nice piece of equipment that I get to play with, you know. I think you said something really important. It's who are you trying to impress? I think if you do all this to impress yourself, then you're you're clear. Right. So like you're saying, if you get to go out and buy a a beautiful designer dress or whatever it's like because you want to yeah it's representing yourself. yeah and it's representing the hard work and yeah you know where you've arrived in your life to have the ability to do that or your dad coming from nothing yeah. and being able to walk into bergdorf and be like cool give me that suit i don't even care how much it costs or whatever okay. yeah he loves shopping loves shopping really that's it's funny not many men do it's like it's for clothes at least Oh yeah, he love he like says he hates it and then he loves it and then like we can't find him for hours and then he's just in this store trying on the same thing over and over again. He can't buy anything without my stepmother's thumbs up. 
So I was just trying a thousand things and she'll be sitting and she left shopping too. She actually turned my bedroom, which is probably the size of this hotel room, into her closet. Yeah, my business partner, Lauren, has a two-bedroom apartment and one of the bedrooms is a giant closet. Yes, yeah. I know that. And so yeah. it's a nice luxury to have. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned a couple things that you used for your awakening and healing, like Sat Kriya, and you referred to a couple of these Kundalini Yoga meditations and practices. There will be people listening to this that don't have any idea what you're talking about. So explain <laughs> some of those things. Um, I mean, I talk about Kundalini Yoga yeah. a lot in my class, on my class. Um, I guess it is kind <laughs> of a class on my show. And when I get back to L.A., I'm interviewing Guru Singh, which is another big like Kundalini teacher yeah. in L.A. And um, so it's something I talk about a lot. But give us a download of some of the practices and, and how they work and what they do. So... Uh Hari Jeevan actually told me to do Sakriya last year for 31 minutes. And this practice, it's, um, if you look at the chakras, it works on the first, second, and third chakra, which is all your fundamental fears, doubts, insecurities, neuroses. It's navel point is where your mind is. So all, all those like neurotic thoughts and stuff. Actually, Yogi Bhajan says your mind is in the navel. And then what you think is the mind up here is actually the projector screen. So whenever... Holy shit. <laughs> Dude, you just tripped me out. Hold that, hold that thought. I just had a revel. I just had a, a little Kundalini awakening. Now there's all of this science speaking to the fact that your gut biome right. is where most of your neurotransmitters are created, and they of call course. it your second brain. Mm -hmm. See, because this yogic stuff, when I hear like, "Oh, Yogi Bhajan said that when you press here and do this kriya, that like." You're setting your ancestors free or whatever. I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> how do we know? You know, I still do it. It still yeah. feels good, but <laughs> I still do it. But. but when you say like, oh, your brain is in your gut, I'm like, what the? F who the fuck made that up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it actually, a lot of these things that uh, end up making perfect sense. And I just made that correlation where your oh, yeah. your gut biome and all that bacteria, there's literally like consciousness and intelligence within all of those organisms inside you and they're manufacturing B vitamins and, and um, serotonin and dopamine and, yeah. um, and um, uh, melatonin and all these Which different are all things. all the things that make you feel good. Right, so okay, like, so... But you like think the feelings are coming. So I loved that, you know, he okay, says so your third chakra. So go to the one, so your, your brain is in your... So the mind. The mind. The, the mind. mind. Okay. So first chakra, root chakra, it's all like your roots, like your home, family, sex, security, money. First, second, and third chakra is really much, is really those things. Like instincts. Like, yeah. Like, um, do I have a roof on my head? Can I feed myself? Da, da, okay. da, da, da. Am I loved? Do I feel loved? Am I secure? Am I confident? Am I this? Am I that? Do I have enough money in my bank account? So you start to, like sexuality, um, you know, all these things. So people with, you know, insecurities, it's the, the third chakra. It's this. People who are very fearful. It's, you know, first and second chakra. Um, eating disorders, third chakra, stuff like that. So um, third chakra is your source of power. And it's also the mind, as Yogi Bhajan says. So the third chakra is in the mind. So that's when we do like a lot of the breath work and the breath of fire. We do we say satnam when we're doing the inhale, exhale, satnam, 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 because you're pumping the navel. So you're starting to pump out some of the subconscious thoughts that are inside the mind. So he's saying mind is in the navel point in the solar plexus, and then what you think is the mind, like what you're thinking up here, is just the projector screen. So if you think about Trippy. it that way, if you work with Sat Kriya and you work with the first, second, and third chakras, it can blast you through insecurities around your body, around money, around sexuality, around creativity, especially, which is where I'm very passionate about. Because a lot of what I study with Master and Chris is that 
and don't quote me on this is my interpretation of it, is that none of that shit matters. What you eat doesn't matter. What mantra you play doesn't... I mean, it all helps. It all does something. But everybody came here with a purpose and a passion and a calling, or you wouldn't be on this planet if it didn't happen. People come here with a, with a thing. Like, you know, maybe yours is music. I can't play music. I'm tone deaf. I cannot play... You know, I can't sing. You can play music. I can write. I didn't have to do anything to learn how to write. Somebody else can do this and do that. And if you're not expressing that, then you're going to have illnesses. You're going to have diseases. If you're not, like for me, as a woman, I need to feel beautiful and sexual. Not sexual like, you know, like a whore, but like just confident. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, just like, I like to think That's of like a French woman. You know, like they're very yeah. sexy totally because they're confident. Yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And if I don't... It's like embodying that feminine energy. Exactly. It's creative energy, sexual energy, and that context is all sort of the same, and it has little to do with sex. Totally. That's my interpretation. Yeah. So when you start to clear out those insecurities using the Sat Kriya, you, Guru Jagat puts it perfectly. She says, it will change how you feel about yourself. And it started to clear my skin up. It started to clear my a lot of the neuroses up and out. It started to make me really, really confident, which I loved. Because with I personally think the confidence is a superpower, and with confidence comes anything. Because it's like you can do all the Kundalini Yoga meditations. I, I focus a lot on prosperity, or I did for a little while, because I loved that the meditations could bring you tremendous amounts of prosperity. Um, but if you're not confident, you can't. You're just not going to show up for yourself. So Sat Kriya really helped me break through a lot of insecurities that were causing a lot of health issues and stuff like that. It's just disease in the body. Mm -hmm. So I love Satkriya. I'm very passionate about it. Could you um, tell our audio listeners what it sounds like? Sat Nam. Sat Nam. Sat. And you have to really Thank pull you. the navel in and up. Thank you. I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. And you do it for 31 minutes. Well, Hadiji even told me to do it for 31 minutes. Okay. And then I started doing it for 31 minutes. And I was in LA for training at the time. I was flying back and forth. And so I was there for like a weekend. So I was had a, a week actually. So I was, you know, did it for a couple of days. And Sat Kriya is not one of the more enjoyable meditations. You just want to like kill yourself in it a little bit. I've done it in workshops. Yeah, it's rough. Yeah, it's it's just really uncomfortable for some reason. Some people love it. I have students, I give them Sat Kriya and they're like, that's the best thing ever. And I'm like, well, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, I just don't get it. I, I, I despised it. So I was doing it for 31 minutes and then... At the time, I was dating my ex, Jared, and I started having all of these visions of him dying tragically. Like, tragically, like, gory, like, like Game of Thrones kind of uh, situation. Damn. Yeah. So, after three days of 31 minutes of just blood and gore and, like, you know, I just said to, I went up to Hadi Jeevan and I was like, I can't do this meditation anymore. I said, it's really hard. I'm, like, whispering it. And he's like... He's like, why is it hard? Because I'm the person in training. I would sit like front row and center and just like like lock into the thing for whatever. And so I don't think he thought I could physically not do it. So I was like, I'm seeing all these visions of my boyfriend dying and this and that. And he just goes, and what's wrong with that? <laughs> and I was like, everything. But then he said, you know, if you're if you're if that's happening, it's obviously inside of you and your mind and this and that. So you have to do it to clear it out. So I didn't have the strength to do the 31 minutes at the time because it was really hard. So a year later, after doing a lot of other, you know, just going to classes and, and doing a lot of clearing, I went back to it in January and I was doing 11 minutes of it. And I mean, it just, I can't even begin to tell you, in two weeks, I felt 
infinitely more confident than you're talking to somebody who we talked earlier with cystic acne, you know, had been so and so painfully insecure that I couldn't even go outside. I would hide in my apartment all day long to go to feeling confident for the first time in five years. It's huge. And it was free. I just did 11 minutes of it. That's crazy. And you couldn't attribute it to anything else. It's not like you got on meds or like got a great shrink or something like that. Nothing, no. Absolutely not. Second time that's happened, I did another one, which I don't ever give to beginners, uh, but Sudarshan Chakra Kriya. I was um, severely depressed. I was on all kinds of medication. In 2010, I went off the medications, but I didn't find the Kundalini until about 2015. And 14, sorry. And um, I started doing Sudarshan Chakra Kriya. And after two weeks, I my depression was completely gone. I mean, like, I even tested it. I tried to think, like, depressing thoughts. And I was just like, nah. Wow. I'm just bored with that. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. So, you Kriya, don't, I love. You don't you know, seem depressed. <laughs> What's that? You don't seem depressed. No, it totally. I mean, it wow. was just, it's, um, I can't even relate to how that felt anymore. I don't remember. I can't even fathom like being in that space anymore i have bad days you know i'm human you know yeah. i, I want to sit on the couch and watch friends all day yeah but it's one day one hour it's not a week two weeks three weeks you know four weeks month you know yeah i understand that so sakri i think just you know anything you do anything even just three minutes is gonna profound i mean my clients are they don't have time for 11 minutes i don't have time for 31 minutes i don't have time for those kinds of things but i give them like three three minute meditations because you can if you can't do nine minutes then you're fucked Mm -hmm. so they have experienced profound changes from like addiction meditation um ego eradicator breath of fire just something really light and but powerful too yeah i uh i was talking to um ellie today about like I wish I had time sometimes to like take teacher training for yoga or to become a meditation teacher or something like that because I've benefited so much from that stuff. It's not that I I want to like do it full time per se, but when I give public talks and things like that, I want to be able to drop stuff on the audience, but I don't want to be irresponsible. You know what I mean? Like I'm not a trained Kundalini yoga teacher. I've just been doing it for a few years and I know, um, you know, a few things. So I don't ever. But the trainings um, are on the weekends in LA. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, but like yeah, I could yeah. be working on my business. I could do something that like moves the needle in another way, you know. Yeah. Um, but I did cheat a little bit. I did an event. Um, oh, last night it was actually at Cat Beauty, and I did a talk over there. I love them. Yeah, and I started out. I just did like a little ego eradicator oh, for like sure. a minute, and I was yeah. like, "Don't tell anyone, you guys. <laughs> like, I'm not authorized <laughs> to use this technology. You know, I'd never want to like." Well, you know what? I think Yogi Bhajan. Like, I don't say go teach and do this and do that. But there's one book, don't quote me on this either, but here's my thing on it. There's one book where Yogi Bhajan says, learn these Kriyas. Once you've learned them, share them with everyone. So something simple, like a little bit of ego eradicator, breath of fire, addictions meditation. Like, I I don't think that for something like those small seeds that will help a lot of people yeah you need to go through that's my that's my view i mean but if you're gonna do like <laughs> i would never say for you to teach like sat kriya or sadarshan chakra kriya or like yeah. these more complex like yeah. juicy kinds of kriyas and those are the ones that i really like because those are, i think it's like the former drug act in me but yeah i love the the kriyas that like get you high as shit like where you pass out and stuff you know it's like oh dude Tage does and I never well, remember which one's which a different story yeah I mean her classes can be ri- especially the workshops it's they can so be loopy. Oh they my can gosh. be super intense and yeah. um but She's yeah like, popcorn popcorn like <laughs> the <laughs> ones where there's like one where you do like a number of inhales whatever it is nine you're like 
you know, like that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. And all you're the doing, breath work st- doing stuff like with the so arms. Good. And I don't know how many minutes there, but it goes on for quite a while. And at the end, you do that hold. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> you're just like out there. I'm like, I love that. I would do that every day. And then I can never remember. I get it kind of from Wim Hof breathing, another technique that I do. It's sort of like yeah. holotropic breathing. But yeah. I don't know. The breathing stuff in Kundalini Yoga is my favorite. Yeah, because you're just you're oxygenating for the first time. Yeah, it's just, just like it's so invigorating. And then also something about the practice too that I really like, which I never thought I would. It took a lot of like prying my mind open. Um, is all of the chanting. Yeah. And I think the reason that I I'm cool with the chanting and I've come to like it is because I like the effects. Just using your voice like that and the resonance of the group of people. There's just something magical about that, like that actual and literal vibration between the come different. To echo and cars. Yeah, no, I've I've done it. <laughs> I, I've done it at um at uh, the morning sadhana, you know, yeah. and they'll do the long ones and stuff. But the thing I with the chanting I love as long as it's not in English. Like a lot Isn't of the a lot of the Kundalini mantras will be like mostly in Punjabi or Sanskrit or whatever. Gurmukhi. Gurmukhi, yeah, 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 yeah Gurmukhi. And I'm like, yeah, cool, great, like whatever. I know that there's good intentions behind the words. It's not like go kill your family. It's <laughs> saying something positive. So I'm down. But then when they get into English and they're like, "You are a beautiful creature, fly <laughs> to the stars," I'm like. I- Dude, I, I literally like want to <laughs> leave the room. I become so mortified. <laughs> I'm not even embarrassed because other people, I'm just embarrassed to myself. So I'm like, if you're a singer of Kundalini <laughs> mantras, like, so please don't do them in bad. English. I fucking can't stand what it. What was the one? We were out by Tantric Yoga um, a couple of years ago in New Mexico. So there's 2,000 people there. Oh my gosh, what was it? Um, there was one that was in English that was for the kids. That's like... I am happy. I am good. <laughs> and so we I, had to I sit that, there. Yeah. No, no, we were sitting. You had your partner and you had to sit there um, with your hands around your knees as if you're like pissed off and like a child and like hugging your knees and just like with your head down. Yeah. And I am happy. I am good. I am happy. I am good. Satin- and like I hated it. And so I kept looking up to see if anybody else hated it. And all the men like just even like the like the hardcore Sikh like Kundalini yogi men, I just looked at the men and they were just like, <laughs> yeah. like just not having it it's at just, all. I don't know. It's just I don't know. It it takes me out of the zone. Yeah, there's one that's like, I am bountiful, beautiful. It's just <laughs> like, oh my god, stop. And then, but then that's like the bridge. But then it goes back into yeah. like the thing. I'm like, okay, cool, we're cool. And then you're like, no. And the other, the other thing I always have had a hard time with is, well, sometimes when you have to like pick a partner, I still get awkward. Where they're like, cool, go find someone. Like, I'm gonna be the guy that like doesn't end up with someone. You know, <laughs> the picking the partner gets a little awkward because I don't want to like interact with people sometimes. But it's when there's like a dancing thing. Oh God, I hate it. Like that, I hate dude. That. that freaks me out. And to this day, I'm, it's one of those like hurdles I have to get over where I can be that free to just like act like a spaz and not give a fuck. But I literally will leave the room and I just go out in the hall and I just go walk around, get some fresh air, and then I listen for when the song's over, and then I walk back in and rejoin the well, class. Well, the interesting thing is I'm sure you don't mind dancing to like the music you like. Well, yeah, like put on some James Brown and shit. Like I'll groove a little bit. For sure. But I think it's just that I cannot dance I feel so music. fake. It's like yeah. putting on a fake, like if my body doesn't feel like moving and I do it just by rote, yeah. it just feels so awkward. Like I literally <laughs> have like, 
awkwardity panic attack where I'm just like, oh I have gosh, to leave. I have such a story for you. I my ex, like somebody I dated a couple years ago, I loved him because he was just like, yeah, like I'll go to a class with you. And I was like, great. It was when I just started getting into Kundalini Yoga. So I was like telling everybody about it. I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's like, yeah, I'll come to a class. And I was like, well, I'm going to a class tonight. He's like, I'll come to it. I was like, well, I don't know. It's a three hour workshop. He's like, yeah, sure. Why not? I'll go. So we go and about 20 minutes into the workshop, my hearing aid battery died. So I was like, fuck, it's a three hour workshop. The teacher's speaking very softly, which you're not going to find with the LA crowd. You know, and then some of the teachers in the Kundalini Yoga, they're very like soft spoken. And so I was like, okay, I have to go get a hearing aid battery now because I'm not going to be able to hear anything for three Is hours. Is that hard to come by? Is it like a special battery? No, no I just had to like go, go out to and CVS go to Dwayne or whatever? Reed and just, oh, you know, okay, just yeah. do it. But of course, three Dwayne Reeds didn't have the battery size I needed. Right. That time. So I was gone for like 45 minutes. I'm just imagining the battery is super tiny. It's super tiny. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just, I mean, they, they're, they're very easy to get, but, okay. you know. So I'm gone for like 45 minutes. So the whole time I'm thinking like, man, please don't let there be anything weird. Please don't let there be anything. Like, obviously it's going to be weird because it's Kundalini Yoga. But I was like, don't yeah. let it be too weird. Yeah. So after the workshop, so I got back and finished the workshop. And then after I said, so what happened when I was gone? He's like, oh, well, he had us standing on our knees and we had to like put our hands behind our back and like go like this. And at the same time, like stick out our tongues out that. And then he made us dance for 25 minutes. Oh, and God. Just like, when I was gone, I was praying. Right, I was like, please, right. no dancing. Please, no dancing. <laughs> oh, poor guy. That's rough. He loved it. He did? He was just like, that was cool. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah, that's um, that's kind of where I draw the line. That happened to me the first time I took Gurmukh's class at Golden Bridge a few years ago, and it was like really intense. I was like, "Cool, I'm hanging in," and then she did one of the dancing like sequences, and you, <laughs> it wasn't just that you had to sit there and like spastically do interpretive dancing. Yeah. You had to go around the room like around oh, no. in circles yeah. and like look in everyone's eyes oh, as you're like geez. spastically <laughs> dancing. I'm like, that's like double jeopardy. <laughs> just going and looking at everyone's eyes that you don't know is like already yeah, yeah, weird. Yeah. But like yeah. while you're dancing, like a yeah. mental patient is just like, oh my God. And that was the first time I was like, oh, there's a bookstore in the lobby. I was like, fuck <laughs> this. And I literally just went out and kicked it and read a book for 10 minutes and went like, back. And I was like, cool. Yeah. Now, I, now I have an answer yeah, for yeah, those yeah. type of uh, that's so funny. exercises. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So I think we've got a pretty good um, understanding of where you've come from, what you've been up to, what have been some influential things that have benefited your life and will benefit our audience. Uh, what what are you currently doing and what's next for you? So this year's definitely been really transformative. I mean, I started to really get back. I definitely credit the Sat Kriya and last year's Long Ekon Cars, getting back to my creativity and what I want to do. And you'll actually see that my Instagram changed. My vision, and it's funny because it's like, oh, it's Instagram, but it's it's an expression of my creative vision, and it's totally changed since January. You go back before that, and you'll see it's more like hippie and yogi and this and that. So it really started to open me up to my creativity again, and um, that's brought a lot of opportunities. Um, people are seeing that create new creative directions. Somebody messaged me yesterday. They're like, your art direction is phenomenal. It's somebody I actually respect, and um, I was like, wow, am I an art director? And I loved that because I never thought that that's a possibility. So um, I started wanting to consult for people. And so I let go of my own skincare line in January. I had a skincare line for about a year. That's what blew the brand up, Bulu Benchan up. And it was amazing. I just realized I liked the creativity aspect of it, the creation, the execution, the social media events and stuff like that. And um a skincare line that I really respect and love brought me on as a creative consultant for them. And they actually just this morning, we just now they're uh, officially their full-time beauty editor. 
Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so I'm beauty content editor, so I'm helping them redo their blog, and we're doing photo shoots and events and stuff like that. And it's, they're you want to share what brand. it's called so people can check it out? Herbivore. Herbivore? Oh, Herbivore cool. Botanicals, yeah. Cool. And I love them. The whole brand is like amazing, and they're so sweet. And um, they've done an incredible job of building their brand on their own. So it's going to be really exciting to see what we can do the next few months next awesome. month next year whatever awesome that's great yeah so i think i'm finally starting to embrace my um position in the beauty industry i was really resistant to it for a really long time because i was like what's beauty you know and then i had a conversation with chris because i you know my mentor and my mentor's mentor they're treating people with cancer and autoimmune diseases and diabetes and people who are dying and i'm like fascinated by beauty so i was very afraid of that but i didn't think it was important and Chris kind of kept pushing me to find that. And um, so it really was not until recently where I kind of was like, well, look how much I want to feel beautiful and how much effort and time and how much I just want that to feel that way. So why should I not? Why should that not be as important as someone who's sick and doesn't feel good about themselves? So I definitely think that this next year is really stepping into the beauty industry in a different way and bringing these amazing Kundalini practices. But kind of, you know, there's the Piscean way, which is like everything's dogmatic and do it this way, this way, this way. And Aquarius is just, you know, the age that we're in now is how can I integrate everything so it works? And then I think that my generation, the generations after, it's really integrating everything. I mean, just bringing this whether it's beauty or medicine or art and creativity and how can i use these ancient practices for a more expanded experience in the modern day so i really am excited about bringing the kundalini yoga the meditation all this stuff that i've learned on the way into the beauty industry which is one of the most interesting industries it's blowing up right now but it's also an industry that's really fueling there's something wrong with you you need to buy this to feel better about yourself so how can we relook at how we use products instead of there's something wrong with you buy this to buy this because it makes you feel really good about yourself. Right. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I totally relate to that. That's uh, a lot of my intention with this podcast is sort of pulling in practices, principles, truths from all of these different teachings and kind of bringing it into one hub and bringing people like you on the yeah. show and just all these experts and fascinating people kind of putting that in a container and going here world like <laughs> i'll save you 10 yeah. 20 years of your yeah. own you know erroneous in cases research and like just put it all here in front of you yeah. you know which is which is great it's kind of uh, that's why i called the st the podcast the lifestylist because i used to like put different, oh, I love that. Put different I don't know pieces why you called it that. yeah to put different pieces of clothing together to like yeah. make a look and now it's like well that looks great but how about we go deeper and like make an actual lifestyle so i, love I think that. about things in very much the same way yeah it's cool well, so right on good for you yeah embrace the beauty girl Thank you. i mean that's the thing like we're talking about clothes it's it it again depends on like intention it's totally you know are you doing it out of like oh if you don't have chanel lipstick you're a piece of shit or is, you know or is it like you're doing it out of, well, i really love this color red yeah it's beautiful and yeah, the creator exactly. gave me a certain aesthetic and a certain level of taste and I can use that because it's marketable as well. You know, I don't see anything like unspiritual or unworthy about friend, that. I have a friend, Violette. One name, oh, okay. Violette. She's a French makeup artist. And okay. She has a last name, but she's like known as Violette. Okay. And I love her because she is a huge figure in the beauty industry. I mean, monumental. Um, she was just positioned as global beauty director for Estee Lauder. Wow. Yeah, she's huge. And I love her and adore her. She's super French. And we were sitting in the car. We were driving upstate a couple months ago. And 
I kind of knew the answer, but I actually wanted to hear it from a French woman. So I said, what's the difference between, you know, American women and French women and why are one so much more, you know, they're so different. Women, American women tend to be very insecure and French women, European women in general tend to be much more confident. And she says, you know, American women, they're like very, you know, neurotic and crazy. She's like, in the morning, I have my dandelion tea for my liver and make my skin really clear. And then at night, she's like, I, I can't remember the brand of it. She's like, I have this French wine. That's like her favorite wine. She has to have it every single night and she's like in really good sex and she's like it's that balance that's not like the neuroses of like everything has to be perfect you know and I admire her because she's so such a fixture in the beauty industry but she's also extremely healthy and but she doesn't make the wellness the highlight of the beauty industry if that right. makes sense it's like right. it's not like you have to eat this to be perfectly beautiful she uses the beauty products and makeup and everything to enhance the beauty that you already have not that to hide anything right and so she's really into the health and wellness and believes it but it's like she really embraces this, the beauty industry as well and cool. i like, love that and she's just she's amazing we'll put her in the show notes you should along with everything else that you've talked about yeah. so those of you that are listening to this on audio uh, you know you can get the show notes by going to lukestory.com, signing up for my newsletter, and I swear to God, we're going to put every goddamn link to everything that was discussed in this episode in there. Yeah. So before we close, I want to ask you my final question, and it's a three-parter, and that is, who have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced you that you might want to share with the audience? I mean, you've already mentioned a number <laughs> of them, but it could be a book, a philosophy, something that our people could then go find to look to for inspiration. So, I mean, definitely Chris. He's been the biggest mentor, influencer. I send all my friends to him for any health issue that they have, and it ends up being the most mind-blowing. You know, what they thought was a health issue was something totally beyond that, and he's helped a lot of people really figure a lot of things Chris out. Chris Chen. Chris Chen, yeah. He's on 30th Street. Okay. So I'll send you the website. It's not okay. very easy to Google. I mean, Rama and Guru Jagger and Hari Jeevan and Tej blew my life open. And then for the women out there, it's just the French culture. I mean, entirely, I just started following a lot of um, French influencers on Instagram, like Jeanne Demont and Violette and all these people that are just so confident and beautiful. And it's not really, there's no, I was, I got to the point where I was so sick of diet and wellness and all that stuff that I just needed to see beauty and see confidence and see fashion again. And I loved that because they do things that we wouldn't necessarily do because we're being healthy, but they look healthier than 99% of us are. So I started really looking at French women, and I think that you know a lot of American women can learn a thing or two from the French. Sure. I'll stand behind that. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll send you a couple of links of okay, my like, biggest, you know, cool. inspirations from the French women scene. I'd appreciate that, and we'll yeah. definitely put them in the show notes. Yeah. Okay, and then in closing, where can we find you on your social media, website? Where do you want to direct people? Um, my Instagram, probably. I need to redo my website now that a lot has changed. Um, so yeah, my Instagram, which is underscore benshan underscore. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Desiree, yeah. for joining me today. It's been a great and enlightening conversation. Yeah, Look forward so to seeing you again. So 
So there we go, ladies and gents. One more step on the ladder to enlightenment. What a fun conversation, right? I told you that she was a, a spiritually irreverent guest, and it was really fun to sit down and have such a casual kind of just fun conversation with her. It wasn't so much an interview, but rather a talk I would have with someone after a yoga class. So it's great to meet kindred spirits, especially in a big city like New York City, where you know sometimes it seems like people aren't all that spiritual but if you know where to look you can find the gems and desiree is no exception so make sure to follow her work and hit up one of her classes when you're in the city sometime and speaking of hitting up hit me up on instagram follow me at at luke story i'm doing a lot of really fun things over there including running instagram lives of so many of my interviews these days in fact the one that you just listened to ran on instagram live the day i did it at the hotel So uh, keep that in mind. You might just catch one of these things live and uh, get to see all the behind the scenes action of how I screw up setting up the microphones and all the weird, awkward stuff that goes into actually the physical process of recording a podcast. I think this one went okay. I had help there that day from my assistant, Anthony, but sometimes I don't and it gets weird. But anyway, thank you so much for listening to my show. Thank you for following what I do, for giving me great love on Instagram and sending me emails you know how important it is uh, to get feedback on your work if you put out any kind of creative work it's always good to you know hear what people like and what they don't like and helps me kind of keep refining the content and making sure that it's exactly what you want and what you need so from the bottom of my heart i thank you in case you were spacing out in the intro or you did that little 15 second fast forward trick i know you do that shit sometimes during the intros the ads and stuff i see you I see what you're up to there. Listen, don't miss next week's episode with my meditation teacher, friend, and mentor, Mr. Jeff Kober. He's a meditation teacher and an actor and just an absolutely fantastically wise yet humble man. And this episode is not one you want to miss. It's a two-parter and it's hardcore. It's deep. People watched it live on Instagram and they were freaking out. It already got rave reviews from the audience so why don't you be one of the audience members that checks it out next tuesday and friday subscribe to the show so you don't miss it don't forget to go to earthrunners.com and use the code luke 10 to save 10 percent off your minimal footwear what's even cooler is they now have some custom wool tabby socks that allow you to wear the earthrunners in colder weather really cool earthrunners.com luke 10 luke 10